Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Dude's overly positive. Um, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. Uh, he would share things with me that uh, Drew, you know, when he played with Drew uh, at the Saints. And then, you know, he also uh, got us in contact, uh, me and Drew. And, you know, he you know, kind of said, like, hey, little bro, you know, this is this is Drew's contact. You know, I want you to, you know, hit him up. And, you know, I know he'd, he'd, want, he'd want to help you or he'd love to help you. So I thought that was a cool thing. Rookie in the vet, if you want. Tua Tungavailoa getting a chance to connect with Drew Brees. Similar height, similar limitations to the ability to distribute the football when you can't see over the Giants who are in front of you, both offensive and defensive line. So he could pick something up. Look, in that offense, Tua could be good. He may not thrive in every offense or in any offense but this one, but he could be good. The real question is, when it's time to make a big throw in a big spot, Miles, can he do it? That's going to be the thing that that separates Tua future from Tua past. Yeah, I think that that's very fair. And look, I mean, if he can get some tips from Drew Brees, who, you know, if, you know, as Nick Saban says, could have been the Dolphins quarterback, if not for that meddlesome doctor, then, you know, maybe he will be that Dolphins quarterback that actually makes people start to forget Dan Marino a little bit. Yeah, the, the uh, yeah, oh boy, what, what an alternate reality there is where Drew Brees goes to the Dolphins. At one point, Nick Saban said a few years ago he would still be the Dolphins coach if uh-huh. they had signed Brees, if, if that meddlesome doctor who didn't know, I think it was his ass from a bag of sand. I think that was the line. Uh, not that Saban, not that Saban had anything to do with it. Don't blame him. It's the doctor who didn't know his ass from a bag of sand. All right. Who finishes in which spot in the AFC East? Let's begin in fourth place. I think we agree the New York football Jets will be the team that is bringing up the rear of the AFC East. Do you agree? 
I absolutely agree. And it's unfortunate because it's like, I, I, I want to believe more in the Jets, right? But like, where, where's the offense going to come from, especially with Zach Wilson out? I, 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 we haven't heard very much about their first round pick in Garrett Wilson, right? I mean, like, what, I, when's the last time you heard something about him? Like, does he look good? Does he look bad? I don't even know. I, it's just kind of weird. I mean, Sauce Gardner, you know, we'll see if he actually earns the nickname of Sauce. When you're a quarterback, you better bring something with through with that. But yeah, I don't, I just, especially when we're looking at, you know, their, their schedule in the early season, like, man, that, that is a tough, tough thing that you got to go through. I, I don't know where the offense is going to come from, and I don't see how they're not going to be in last. Yeah, I agree completely. Then it becomes a challenge as you work farther up the ladder. And it is so hard for me to say this. It is hard for me to process it. It is hard for me to even comprehend it. But I think the Patriots are going to finish in third behind the Dolphins and the Bills. I, I, we give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt because, if you haven't heard, he's won six rings as a head coach, two more as a coordinator. So he has eight, Tommy, not seven. He's still got one more than you. But <laughs> you look at what they're doing. This whole go to Miami five days earlier thing, it smacks of desperation. And if any other coach was doing it, we'd be pointing and laughing. Look how desperate this guy is. I mean, they're, they're horrible in Miami when they have the better team. They're going down to Miami this year with not the better team. Um, yeah. They made it to the playoffs last year. They got blown off the field 47-17 to 17, by the Buffalo Bills. It completely erased any positive vibes they worked 18 weeks to create. I just don't see it this year. I don't see it. Prove me wrong, Patriots. I, I, I'm, I, be, I get proven wrong all the time. Trust me, I'm used to it. But I just feel like we're so caught up in the idea that Bill Belichick can do no wrong, we're failing to notice all the wrong that he's doing with his coaching staff, with who's being entrusted with what responsibility, with the nepotism that I think has, has caused the coaching staff to, to maybe – not be in a position where he can hold guys accountable the way he needs to, because if you're going to fire anybody, maybe he's got to fire one or two of his kids who aren't getting it done. Well, if you can't hold them accountable, how can you hold anyone accountable? And I think he's kind of stumbled into this mess. This is one of the problems of coaches hiring their kids. If the kids aren't good enough, what do you do? Um, I I think it all kind of jumbles together and you throw in the talent or lack thereof. I I think it's going to be a real challenge this year for the Patriots. It should be by all accounts. I mean, anybody that would say that the Patriots should finish in second in the AFC East is giving Bill Belichick, like, or I should say giving the Patriots the Bill Belichick boost. But frankly, I agree with you. I think that they'll finish in third. And if not for how bad I think the Jets were going to be, I think that they might finish in fourth because I think our our buddy Tom Curran of uh, NBC Sports Boston said something like this, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like, you could be the best high school history teacher in the state, but if they reassign you and they make you go teach biology, how good are you going to be at that? Right? That's what the Patriots are kind of doing with Matt Patricia. He was a good defensive coordinator, failed as a head coach, but now they're having him coach OL and call the offensive plays. Sometimes, maybe not all the time, I don't know, right? You have Matt Pat- excuse me, you have a Joe Judge, who also went and was a failed head coach, but he was a special teams coordinator and coached wide receivers. And he is the one entrusted with making sure your second year quarterback takes a step. And those are some huge risks and they better pay off or Bill Belichick is going to deservedly face some serious questions after this year. 
I remember, and it's now been, my God, 11 years ago, when <laughs> Andy Reid fired Sean McDermott, who took over as defensive coordinator, uh, the, the, the move was to make Juan Castillo mm-hmm. the longtime offensive line coach into the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And because Andy Reid had no rings, he had Super Bowl appearances, but he had no rings. Or he had one Super Bowl appearance, and he had he had several conference championships. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. It, it was like, has he lost his damn mind here? Like, what's Andy Reid really thinking? What's he really doing here? Um, and, uh, you know, it ended up uh, being the last two years, I think Andy Reid served as Eagles head coach with Juan Castillo as defensive coordinator. So it is a major dramatic shift. And I know Matt Patricia is a smart guy. I know that the Patriots regard him as one of the smartest guys in the NFL, maybe even smarter at some level than Bill Belichick. But it's it's a huge change. And to have Josh McDaniels out and this kind of patchwork. And, you know, Belichick has said it multiple times now, and I've never heard him say this in all the years he's been head coach, how he's ultimately in charge of everything. I mean, he knows he's got a big old pile of chips on the table from everything he's done the last 20 years. They could suffer through a bad year or two or three because – of everything he's done for that team. And I think he's setting himself up to take the blame because he knows he's, he's in a position where he can take the blame. He can absorb the blame because of everything he's accomplished. But it is his fault. I mean, it's not like he's lying. Everything that does happen there ultimately falls on him. And I think it's important to note, too, that it's not just McDaniels that they're missing, but he took several offensive assistants with him from New England to Las Vegas. So that, that's a part of this, too. Right? Like, why do you have to go and get Joe Judge and Matt Patricia and put them in these positions? Well, because Josh McDaniels took some of the guys that you probably would have promoted to you know southern nevada so like that that all of these things flow flow into it but like it is ultimately bill belichick's responsibility all right so we've got second place and first place and i I think this is as easy as fourth place was dolphins two yes bills one because choo choo hype train buffalo bills (laughs) winning the division winning the conference, winning the Super Bowl. You can't win the Super Bowl. You can win the Super Bowl without winning the division. We know that's not unprecedented, but the Bills are everyone's favorite team. Of course, the Bills won the Dolphins too. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I think Miami has a lot of potential. If Tua Tungabailoa is good, then yeah, they will probably finish in second place. And I have a lot of faith in Mike McDaniel. Maybe that's misplaced. Maybe it's not. But based on how he was, you know, Kyle Shanahan's right-hand man, arm, silly rabbit. I hope people understand that reference because that's really obscure. Uh, But based on how close he is to Kyle Shanahan and how much I love that offensive system, like I think that that can translate into some success there in Miami. I love the way they built the team. You know, you got so much speed with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They should be able to do some good things. And then, of course, you know, Buffalo is the best team in that division. I don't think anybody you know, has any qualms about saying that, but it's more about consistency with them this year, because I don't want to see them go down to like Jacksonville and lose nine to six, like they did last year. Right. Like they had some lapses. So let's avoid those lapses and see and show. And so that we can all see exactly the kind of team that can go to the Super Bowl, be a one seed, host the AFC championship game. And then you hoist the Lombardi. Yeah, I mean, even though Brian Dayball became the head coach of the New York Giants after the season, there were some rough spots last year 
for the yeah. Bills' offense. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe the bar isn't as high as for Ken Dorsey as uh, we're thinking it should be. Let's go ahead and take a break. Bad news for fantasy football players who may be banking on one or more of the weapons on the Kansas City Chiefs other than Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk about that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. biggest thing is it's going to be, I think there's going to be a, like a different player every single game that has the big game. It's not going to be just necessarily Tyreek and Travis every single week where it's like one or the other is having a big game or both. It's going to be every single week, it's going to be someone different. So I'm sorry to all you fantasy football uh, guys, but it's going to be, it's going to come from everywhere. So you're going to have to kind of choose the right guy every week. Patrick Mahomes with some bad news for anyone out there who may have Travis Kelsey or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Juju Smith-Schuster or Sky Moore or any of the various running backs in the arsenal that the Chiefs have. Other than Patrick Mahomes, don't count on anyone delivering for you every week. And this is going to be the great test for the Chiefs offense because you take out a guy in Tyreek Hill who always commands extra attention. Where will the openings be? What will the game plan be? And how much will an opposing defense stymie it from the get-go or as they understand where the game is going? That's the one thing that's left out of this. If it is a big Juju Smith-Schuster day and at halftime the defense adjusts, do they pivot to another guy? And I think that's what this year is going to be all about, Miles, Mm -hmm. for Patrick Mahomes. Just run the offense. Do your reads. Somebody's going to be open. And if somebody isn't open, you know that you can run around long enough until somebody is open and you do that thing where you throw it sidearm or behind the back or through your legs or over the shoulder or whatever you do to get it to the guy once you have created enough time and space from the guys who are trying to tackle you. Yeah, look, I mean, I think Travis Kelsey is still going to get his because he's just been that consistent target and it wasn't just for Patrick. Oh, my God, look at that throw. Oh, I just love watch Patrick Mahomes play football, man. It's just, ugh, oh, it's just gorgeous. I love it. And it's just made me very, very biased in terms of uh, rooting for Patrick Mahomes sometimes, and I'm sort of sorry, but also not. But, like, I, in a weird way, I think that maybe trading Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs it could be the best thing that might have ever happened to Patrick Mahomes' career, which is, like, a weird thing to say because Tyreek Hill is an elite talent, but it may force Patrick Mahomes to really go through the reads of the offense and Andy Reid can scheme offense, right? Like I, we all know that Eric Bieniemy beside him can scheme offense. And they got Matt Nagy back and I don't know how much that doesn't help, or maybe it helps. I don't know, but like, it's another guy that is in the room and can help you because he's been a head coach and he understands those things. So they're going to have guys open. And now that he doesn't necessarily have that. All right. Tyree kill is just running all the way down the field. I, he may be forced to read different things, and I don't know, man. I, I think Sims has said this too, but I can see Patrick Mahomes having the best year of his career so far this year. I really can. To go back to a guy we talked about earlier in the program, breaking news, he had a procedure in the offseason, Matthew Stafford, Rams quarterback. When he was with the Lions, after Calvin Johnson left that first year post-Calvin Johnson, Stafford was better. Stafford seemed better, more confident. You know Why? because he wasn't staring down Calvin Johnson, who was double covered, but he still knew he had to get the ball to him a certain number of times. And one of the things that came out from Tyreek Hill with his It Needed to Be Said podcast, even though publicly there were no complaints, privately 
he was a pain in their ass last year, even though he had a career high in targets and receptions. You know what I think it was? I think all these guys saw what Cooper Cup was doing and saying, I could do it too. Why don't I get the chances to do it? I think the numbers Cooper Cup was putting up last year caused receivers who believe that they are better than him to want the ball more. <laughs> And Maybe. it puts pressure on Patrick Mahomes. If Tyreek Hill is complaining after every game, I want the ball more, that puts more pressure on Mahomes to get him the ball. It's so much easier when you don't have that element and you're able to just say, I'm the quarterback, I run the offense, I throw to the open man. Do you think anybody ever comes right. back to the, the huddle to Tom Brady and, and gives him a hard time or on the sideline is saying, I'm open, no. I'm open, throw me the ball? Uh, I think all, all it takes well. is a look from Tom Brady and that guy shuts up. 81 who does the player who is no longer no. there might've done that. But other than that, Once. maybe not, you know? So, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, when you have that consternation that comes from Tyreek Hill, where he's third in the league in receptions with 111 and he's still saying like, I need the ball more. It just makes you raise an eyebrow. Like what in the world are you talking about, dude? Like he was seventh in targets, which sure. But like, I, I think that what you're saying about Cooper cup and everything that he was doing last year and guys like, I can do that. And like, then they see Cooper cup. Like that's just Cooper cup. Like what the hell? I, I think there might've been some element of that for sure. Well, something happened, and look, at some point in Patrick Mahomes' career, Tyreek Hill was going to be gone. So the Chiefs right. made the strategic decision to do it now, and they're at a point where fifth year is a starter for Mahomes. He's got more experience in his overall database of what I've seen when I walk up to the line of scrimmage. He's going to get better and better with each passing year as he sees more and more games, goes through more and more reps and iterations and understanding of what's happening before the snap. He's only going to get better. He's going to hit that sweet spot where he can still do it physically and his brain is at the point where there is nothing you can't show him he hasn't seen. You can't fool mm -hmm. him. You can't trick him. That's when he's going to be even better than he's already been, if that's possible, yeah. and it is. Uh, it's possible yes. the Packers have a problem at the receiver position. Alan Lazard, clear candidate to step up and replace Devontae Adams, was stepped on at practice last week. Ankle issue, no practice yesterday, that's a problem. Even though he only had 513 receiving yards on 40 catches last season, he's a guy that Aaron Rodgers has mentioned. He's a guy that he's in a contract year. He's got every incentive to go out and play really well and fill the void created by Devontae Adams. I, it's, it's so funny. And I don't know, is this fair? Matt LaFleur won 13 games, 13 games, and 13 games in three years as the coach of the Packers. But we look at... The Chiefs without Tyree Kill, and we say, ah, they'll be fine. We look at the Packers without Devontae Adams, and we say, oh, shit, how are they going to be fine? I, I, I think we're being unfair to Matt LaFleur. Well, I mean, and I, I would hope that Matt LaFleur would not take offense from me saying this, but, like, Andy Reid has a lot more experience than Matt LaFleur, and I have faith that Matt LaFleur will get guys open, but I think when you have Aaron Rodgers talking about the fact that they need more consistency from the receivers, like, that's something, you know what I'm saying? Like, and as much as Tyreek Hill was a huge part of that offense, he wasn't the, you know, percentage of the offense that Devontae Adams was for Green Bay. So, 
I and I would have more faith in Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster than I do with what the top of the receiving core is for Green Bay right now. When you maybe don't have Alan Lazard, you've got Randall Cobb on the back nine of his career. You've got Sammy Watkins, who has never been able to really stay healthy. So it's I, I don't think it's like the difference between Matt Lafleur and all that. It's also the difference in talent in the receiving core, where you're kind of like eh, I don't know, man, like. Even though Aaron Rodgers is there and Aaron Rodgers is great. Aaron Rodgers is brilliant. He is a two-time defending MVP. I, I, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play too, but I, I just, I have more faith in the Chiefs because A, there's a longer track record from the head coach and B, because I think their talent is better at receiver. And I also think C, how do I say this? I feel like Uh-oh. Patrick Mahomes has a better temperament when it comes to working with a group of receivers that doesn't have Tyree kill than Aaron Rodgers is going to have when working with a group of receivers that doesn't have Devontae Adams. I, I just feel like Mahomes is going to be better it's- suited to working through the rough spots than Aaron Rodgers. And look, at some level, this goes back to Aaron Rodgers maybe not being fully clued in and what Devontae Adams was up to. Adams deliberately choosing to go play for Derek Carr and not Aaron Rodgers. There was just a greater vibe of rejection of Aaron Rodgers than there was of rejection of Patrick Mahomes. If anything, Tyree Kill knew he was never going to have the spotlight in Kansas City, so he went to Miami where he's, had, he's got a better chance of being the guy who's in the spotlight. And at one point, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, on the Tyree Kill podcast made that point, and he'll try to push back against it. But I have a feeling Drew has a pretty good read on his client. Tyreek Hill was never going to be the guy in Kansas City. In Miami, he's got a chance to be the guy. So I think it's easier for Patrick Mahomes to just deal with what's happened and move on. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers has really and fully, you know, processed the rejection that he experienced from his eight-year teammate, Devontae Adams. So I would argue that it's not just temperament. It's also what they've done with the receivers, Right in the offseason, Patrick Mahomes brought everybody to Texas. Right, they were throwing every day. You know, the first part of the offseason program, they didn't even really basically have it in Kansas City, they had it in Texas, and Patrick Mahomes was leading it. So he was already leading those guys. And Juju Smith Schuster, Valdez Scanling, they talked about it during training camp, how those sessions really helped. Aaron Rodgers was not there during the offseason program, except for mandatory minicamp. That is his right. I'm not trying to be like, oh, my God, this and that. But, like, he wasn't there. So they were practicing with Jordan Love. They're getting comfortable more with Jordan Love. And so then Aaron Rodgers comes in minicamp. And, like, again, he gets to do that. And he gets to go off and have ayahuasca and, like, throw up and stuff, which I think is weird. But, like, I think that that is a big difference in what we're talking about here too. You had a guy who was leading those dudes from jumping the off season versus somebody who did not. And I don't think you should make an apology for calling it like it is. I'm not just saying that because I want company on the Aaron Rodgers enemies list, but look, they're paying the guy 50 million plus per year. He's trying to go out on top. He wants to win a Super Bowl. At some point, you have to make the same sacrifice that Patrick Mahomes is making when he's there at the offseason program and he's getting his guys together in Texas, getting the new receivers comfortable with him so they're not freaked out when they finally get an opportunity to work with their starting quarterback who is going to demand a lot from them. You spend time in training camp adjusting to the fact that you're working with Aaron Rodgers. Can you imagine some of these guys who are 21, 22 years old, like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, thinking, 
this is this isn't real. I was in college last year, and now I'm 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 working with Aaron Rodgers. He chose, and I know he's got the right to to be absent. But fifty million. How many more millions do they have to pay him per year to get him to be there? How badly does he really want to win a Super Bowl and walk away? He chooses to look down his nose at the value of being involved in the voluntary offseason program. And maybe he's right, but you know what? They wouldn't be in worse position if he'd been there. They could only be in better position. So don't don't apologize. I because I look. As people who you and I both care about our job, a lot of people out there care about their jobs and they go above and beyond what they're required to do because they care about their jobs. If I'm getting $50 million a year, it's not unreasonable to expect me to do a little bit more, even though technically and contractually I'm not required to do it. Well, Tom Brady doesn't do it. Tom Brady just took 11 days off of training well, camp because he's got a lot of stuff going on. Now, that's a Tom different Brady story. Is, that's a different story altogether. I know, but I'm just saying that like Tom Brady, I, and I agree that it's a different story, A, because Tom Brady has, you know, a connection already with most of those guys who were there, aside from like- And Julio seven Jones. rings. Yeah, and he's got seven rings. I know, but you know, I'm just saying like people, I, I don't like people talking about me and doing things. I'm just trying, I'm trying to be fair and maybe I shouldn't be fair. I don't know. Maybe that would be better. No, I, I don't know. But like, I just, you, you, I, I don't think it's fair to not acknowledge that he doesn't have to be there. He really doesn't. He gets to do whatever the hell oh, he wants. I, I, and I, I know, he's a two time defending MVP. So it's like, okay, like, why are we, I don't know. I, I know. I know. He's a two time defending MVP, but he wants to go out on top. He said yeah. so in one of the various media appearances he's made in recent weeks. Pretty much every show except this one, which, which is fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> the room is burning, but this is fine. Um, but no, I think that it's okay to say, dude, look, people who make a lot less money than you are putting in a lot more above and beyond the bare minimum. And when you have a situation like this with a bunch of new receivers – Maybe you should have put in the work with them. And maybe you shouldn't be surprised if they're not as ready as you'd like them to be when you consciously chose to believe it's not important enough to work with those guys and help them along, like Patrick Mahomes did. Back to our point, it's why we have more faith in the Chiefs post-Hill than we have in the Packers post-Adams. Let's take a break. Do the 49ers have sufficient faith in Trey Lance? More specifically, does Coach Kyle Shanahan have enough faith in it? We'll talk about that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. A lot of the veterans have talked about Trey's leadership. We see him lead the team out of the huddle. We see the, him break the team down in, in preseason. What does it mean that he's not a captain? Um, I mean, if you, if, you, if you can look into it that much, he was seventh in the voting. I just don't want to put seven on there. You know, Debo was eight. Um, that's why I mentioned his name on accident. Uh, we just didn't want to go with six. They don't allow eight to the coin toss, I don't believe. Um, so... It's also his first year of starting for us. You know, I think guys do, you know, there's not many rookies who end up being the captains. I know this is his second year, but he's a rookie for us in terms of his first time being our starting quarterback. Strictly player vote, not coaching at all involved. 
Oh, not at all. I mean, I could always, always get the final tally, and I could cheat if I wanted to. Um, I actually didn't at all. I agreed with all their choices, and I just made the decision not to have eight of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I love what Kyle Shanahan said. Every once in a while, the quiet part is said out loud, and I say it all the time. The most important people in any election aren't those who cast the votes, but those who count the votes, especially when you're... I made that observation yesterday, Bill. You're always talking politics. Well, this is kind of a political exercise. You're taking votes from a room full of football players, and someone is counting the ballots. And I remember when, way back when, Josh Freeman, the former Buccaneers quarterback, was not a captain 2013, the second year of Greg Schiano. And I remember saying then the guy who counted the votes had something to do with that because Schiano had a thing about Freeman and ultimately ran him out of town during the season. But with Shanahan and Lance, look, he could have, he, regardless of how he counted the votes, Miles, he's the one who arbitrarily drew the line at six. He could have had seven. Some of these teams have eight. You can have as many or as few as you want. It's your call. It's not an issue of how many guys can walk out for the coin toss for crying out loud. What a lame-ass excuse that is. He chose to stop at six. He could have gone to seven. He could have gone to eight. He clearly thought about it. So why did he draw the line at six? And one of the possibilities we have to consider is he's recognizing that once you put that C on Trey Lance's jersey, it makes it a lot more awkward. If you ultimately decide he's not getting it done and we got to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that that, and I'm a big fan of Occam's razor. It's the only thing I shave with. I think that is what we need to consider as a real possibility for why he's not a captain because Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to make it harder. If he decides to shift from Trey Lance to to Jimmy Garoppolo. Hold on while I go get my tinfoil hat for you right there. I don't think that's a huge high-end conspiracy. I think it's a reasonable explanation for why he drew the line between six and seven. Because, Miles, let me, let me, I'm sorry, let me, give me this privilege. What you need to do when you have a quarterback, a coach explained this to me a couple of years ago. You either have a natural-born leader who walks through the door, kicks ass, and takes name, like like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, right? Or Russell Wilson. Look at what he's done in Denver. Just walks through the door and changes everything. Or you have to prop the guy up. So with Trey Lance, who's unproven, with Trey Lance, who suddenly has Jimmy Garoppolo back in the building, the former starter of the team is back in the number two position behind Trey Lance. It's on you to prop him up to everyone. What a missed opportunity for Kyle Shanahan to prop up Trey Lance, to let everyone know, oh, captain, my captain. Look at what the players think of him. You don't have to come out and say, well, you know, he was seventh. Uh, he, he was the last of seven or seven out of eight if they go with Debo Samuels. Well, you don't have to say that. He's a captain. You prop him up. You position him to succeed. I'm, I'm, I, this is a real point. So instead of taking advantage of an easy way to help him succeed and boost his, his standing in the eyes of us and, more importantly, the guys in the locker room, you decide to cut it off and not give him a C. Why would you do that? You do it because you want to make it easier to go to the other guy if that's what you think is the best for the team. I, I think that is not a tinfoil hat. That is a plain sight, only reasonable explanation for why he did what he did. 
Well, it's, it's making Trey Lance earn it, right? I mean, he did not really go out there and play all that much last year. He did start a couple of games. He had some moments where he was in, especially early on in the season, but then Shanahan decided it was easier for him as a play caller to just not deal with that extra element because you can't necessarily predict the way the defenses are going to adjust. So I understand it from the perspective of, okay, I want to see him go out there and earn it. I do think that you have a point, right? That you, it's easier to have the yo-yo with the quarterback if the quarterback doesn't have the C. And what I didn't really realize and what is on our notes here is that the 49ers had seven captains in each of the last two seasons. So when you're talking about like the arbitrary cutoff line at six, that really could have been that, you know, and if they had wanted eight captains, they could have had, I think I saw Washington as something like eight, nine, 10 captains, and then three alternates. What the hell do you need three alternate captains for? And now like 13 people are captains on your roster over a fifth of your roster is a captain. Are they really a captain at that point? You only really need three. To be completely honest with you, offense, defense, special teams. But that's me being old man yells at cloud, I suppose. Well, not quite so old. Either I am a good influence or a bad influence on you, but I am bringing you along to my way of thinking on certain things. And I think you're coming (laughs) along on this because he's already come out and said, Trey Lance is our guy. This is Trey's team. Why would you not want him to have a seat on his jersey? Why would you not? The moment it changed. And look, here's the thing. Because you'll have, you'll have the, the 49ers fans that don't want to think anything is amiss here who will shout down any effort by us to call BS. But this is exactly what they would be saying, even if it's not the truth. Oh, Jimmy's number two. Jimmy's not going to play. Jimmy's not a threat to Trey. Baloney. And the best evidence of the baloney is the fact that Trey Lance isn't wearing a C because it's in your interest to give him a C if he's really the guy and it's your interest to withhold it if you think he may not be the guy and you want to go to the other guy. That's why he's not a captain, in my opinion. The, the best evidence that, you know, that, that Jimmy may be a threat is that Jimmy's still there. I, right. I'm sorry. It's just the simple fact that he's still there, right? He is but the if you put the C, the Super Bowl if you 19. put the C on Trey, look what it did to us the other day when we saw, before we knew that Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback for the Steelers. Once they oh, announced yeah. the captains and he had the C, it was over. It was well, over at that point. I mean, so. yeah, but they can I, – I, in 2016, when uh, Jared Goff came in the league, Case Keenum was a captain, and they still replaced him with like six, seven games into the season with Jared Goff. Oh. So, like, that right. doesn't – That's different. You from different. Being, yeah, yeah it is different, but it, and it doesn't prevent them from taking out Trubisky and putting in Pickett. It is a it, – it, but right. it, by that same token, it's different when you have a young quarterback and they can or cannot get that C on their chest – and you may be yo-yoing them with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, frankly, I don't think it's good when you go back and forth with the quarterback, like Brian Flores was doing with Tua Tungavailoa and Teddy Bridgewater. Excuse me, not Teddy Bridgewater. He's there now. But Jacoby Brissett. Brian Fitzpatrick. And also Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Like all those things. I don't love that. So, you know, we'll see well, what happens with San Fran. But like it, once you have a, a whole training camp of Trey Lance of evidence, and then you decide, well, we can't really get anything for Jimmy. So let's just keep him. Like, well, I'll, I'll put on the conspiracy theory hat for that one where it's like we're keeping him around as insurance. I mean, because you are because a Trey Lance could get hurt, but B Trey Lance could not be as good as you hope he is. And the absence of the C makes the B more plausible. We need to take a break. 
We're going to draft the best matchups in tonight's season opening game between the Bills and the Rams when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, it's a Thursday tradition during football season because you can't do it if there aren't games. The matchups to watch, a draft of uh, those specific factors for tonight's game. Miles, I give you the first pick. Matchups to watch in tonight's season opener between Buffalo and the LA Rams. Uh, give me Jalen Ramsey versus Stefan Diggs. I mean, these are two of the absolute best at their position. And the Rams move around Jalen Ramsey. They call him the star on that defense. That's his position. But whenever you're talking about a guy who is an elite corner and somebody who is an elite wide receiver like Stefan Diggs, and the just connection that he's got with Josh Allen. I don't know if there's anybody making sweet, sweet football music like those two. It's going to be fun to watch those two go at it. Especially with Ramsey, kind of an open question from a health standpoint. He's not on the injury report, I don't believe. He had a shoulder problem. He was going to be on the pup list. They just went easy with him. Is he ready to go? He had that surgery after the end of the offseason program. So that that is going to be a key matchup. I agree with you completely. First one for me, I'm going to go Von Miller versus Joe Noteboom, the replacement for Andrew Whitworth, to the extent and I assume they'll move Von Miller around, but you've got Miller, you've got Gregory Rousseau, you've got guys in the interior that can provide pressure. Von Miller sacrificing the fact that he got less attention when he was with Aaron Donald. He'll get a little more attention, but can they stop him? How much will they help the left tackle when he's lined up in that spot to try to get around the edge to Matthew Stafford? I think that's a key matchup in this game. I agree with you. And, you know, that's an underrated thing, Joe Noteboom coming in to replace Whitworth. But he has played. He's been there since 2018, filled in admirably, I thought, in that playoff run that they had. And then, of course, Miller could also go against Rob Havenstein, who they just gave an extension to on the other side. So congrats to him for that. Uh, My next matchup is something I mentioned earlier in the show, but Aaron Donald versus Roger Saffold. Like, those guys on the interior, they know each other very well. They practice against each other. They played with with each other for years and years, both in St. Louis and in Los Angeles on the Rams. And look, Aaron Donald is one of the elite players in the game. And I just feel like this is one of those times where he can come out there and show that he is still that dude and perhaps get on that first step of his fourth defensive player of the year award. And second Super Bowl win. And I, I think it's going to take a lot for MVP buzz for Aaron Donald. We were talking about this uh, yesterday, I think, with Shireen. Lawrence Taylor in 86, Alan Page in 71, the only two defensive players to ever win it. Bill's defense versus Cooper Cup. We alluded to this earlier. With the full offseason to get ready, knowing that the Rams are the first team, watching what the Bengals did to neutralize Cup until Odell Beckham Jr. got injured. And yes, Cup ultimately caught the game-winning pass and was the MVP, even though it should have been Aaron Donald. The Bengals did have a plan for Cup that made him not nearly as prolific as he'd been all year long. What would the Bills do to take Cup away? And then the obvious next question becomes, how do the Rams pivot away from that? What's their plan if Cup isn't there? But I want to see how that Bills defense, without Tredavious White, How do the Bills go about slowing down Cooper Cup? All right, we've done two picks each. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll regroup and do a third pick of the matchups to watch for tonight's season opener when PFT Live concludes right after this.
All right, one more selection each as we look at the matchups for tonight's season opener. Miles, what else do you have? Well, you were talking about Cooper Cup versus that secondary, or the Buffalo secondary versus Cooper Cup. I'll go the Rams' third receiver versus that Buffalo secondary because they don't have Van Jefferson. He is out tonight with the knee injury. Ben Skoranek, Tutu Atwell are expected to pick up the slack as the third receiver. That's a big position in the Rams' offense based on the way they always line up with one tight end and then three wide receivers. We will see what those guys can do again that secondary last one for me uh and i'm kind of taking a liberty here with the uh, the whole matchup thing but it's ken dorsey versus the memory of brian dayball even though it may be inflated a little bit more than than justified (laughs) because there were some stretches last year where the offense wasn't great you mentioned the debacle in jacksonville but ken dorsey stepping into that role as offensive coordinator can he forget what the bills have done in the past not compare himself with anyone, not compete with Brian Dayball or whatever's expected and just come out there and be the guy the Bills need to be to take their offense to the next level. Because if they are going to win the Super Bowl, if they are going to make good on all these expectations, the offense has to go next level. It has to be even better than it's been because the past two years, even though it's been great, hasn't been good enough. Yeah, exactly. You can't just rest on what you've done before. And I think most good coaches around the league know that they understand it. And when you're Ken Dorsey, you're coming in and you're replacing somebody now. Like it is a difference, but he's been there, right? He's been with Josh Allen. He knows Josh Allen was the quarterback's coach before. We'll see if he can elevate the scheme, bring something a little bit new, bring some more wrinkles there, you know, take advantage of what Gabe Davis can do. And we'll see how that works out into them scoring points. Who do you like tonight? Give me a score. Give me a winner. Well, uh, you can give Rams, me a sc- I guess you have to give me a winner if you give me a score. You can give me a score yes, without exactly. a winner, and we can just guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll take uh, Rams 30 to 27. They, they win, wow. and uh, they, they, you know, raise the banner in a nice way. My pick, as announced on Tuesday during the podcast I do with Sims, 30 to 24 Rams. So we are both on the Rams. Sorry, Bills. The hype train is going to have to wait a week. Miles, we'll see you on Monday. Every Monday. That's a hell of an announcement as we go off the air. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.